This is Just the Right Book, and I'm Roxanne Cody of R.J. Julia Booksellers. Each week, I hope to bring to you the stories behind the books, talking with some of the very best contemporary nonfiction authors, books that are timeless and charming, provocative and of the moment. The conversations you want to hear about the books you need to read. We're continuing with what we're calling an experiment. I don't I don't know how long we'll go on calling it an experiment, but we're calling it just the right book shorts. And the idea is obvious. It's shorter than our nonfiction, hour-long, in-depth interviews with authors. And we happen to be airing this on May 11th, which is the weekend before Mother's Day. So, of course, I'm a bookseller, so I'm going to plug for you that mothers love books. Most mothers love books. So you ought to be thinking about buying books for the mother in your life. And you could buy them at RJ Julia's. You could buy them at an independent bookstore in your neighborhood. But hopefully some of the ideas that we've talked about in previous shows or what we'll talk about today, but it's more about the idea. One of the things that I think people giving books as gifts to their mother forget is the fact that you've picked out a book for her and thought about what she might like is a kind of paying attention that roses or chocolates might not represent. So just keep that in mind when you're thinking about Mother's Day presents. So I'm joined as always by Bill Goldstein, who is an author and a literary reviewer for NBC and a friend. So why don't we get going? Bill, what have you read that you love? Well, it's so wonderful to be here with you, Roxanne. And I love that what you said about mothers. It's not always chocolate and roses. And, <laughs> um, any books I've found over the years that whether it was my mother or what I hear from people about their mothers and their tastes, mothers have a range of tastes. And I'm hoping exactly. whether, whether for Mother's Day or otherwise, the first book I'm going to talk about is a perfect gift for the mother in your life or the person in your life or you who likes a crime novel. I have read Don Winslow now. Don Winslow is the author. Uh, most recently, his book, new book has just been published called City of Dreams. And he is a brilliant crime novelist. And this is the second in a trilogy that began last year with City on Fire. I've come to Don Winslow rather late. He announced last year that he's retiring. And City on Fire, City of Dreams, and the next book, City in Ruins, are going to be his final books. So City on Fire was about two crime families in Rhode Island, one Italian, one Irish. And in the second book, we are with the member of the Irish crime family, Danny Ryan, who in a convoluted way has come to Hollywood because there's going to be a movie sort of of the story that in the real life of City on Fire happened in Don Winslow's first book in this trilogy. It's just a brilliant book. I mean, more crime, more surprising turns of fate 
and also just Don Winslow's scintillating writing. He's a really, really great writer. And Hollywood has never looked so bizarre or so fun. And there's one exchange that I just, I think will give you a flavor for this. Danny Ryan says, you know, I'm just a, a leg breaker from Dogtown. He's, you know, sort of a middling <laughs> prime, prime guy from Providence, Rhode Island. And a woman in the novel says to him, you know, that's what everyone out here is. Who do you think builds empires? It's not the entitled people. It's the leg breakers from Dogtown who build the empires. Mm. So I love the book, Don Winslow's City of Dreams. And if you can begin anywhere, you can read this one and then go back to City on Fire. I think it's like reading a prequel, you know, if, if they had decided to tell you the backstory. But any Don Winslow book, I think, will bring mother or yourself a lot of pleasure. So, Bill, are they big fat books? Are they fast reads? Are they... Where do they fall in that category? They are fast reads and okay. they are about three, uh, I'm going to look, 300 pages, 300, okay, 300 good. pages. All right. them. They are, these are not sagas. They feel like sagas because he goes so deeply into the psychology of the characters, but they are zipping along. And the whole trilogy, I guess, will be as long as some of Stephen King's books. So three to one ratio. All right, good. So the book I'm going to talk about is coming out in a few days after this airs. And the name of it is Postcard by Anne Barrest. I'm not sure if I'm saying that name uh, properly. And it's translated from the French. It's published by Europa, who is a genius at finding the best books from around the world and getting them translated into English. So I am as I think I've mentioned on the show, the child of Holocaust survivors. So I've gone through periods where I read an endless amount of books on Holocaust. But I read a review about this book coming out and I thought, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick it up. And the book opens in 2003 and a woman receives a postcard that has four names on it. And that's all it says. And all four of them had died in Auschwitz in 1942. Oh. So the story then goes back and based on this woman's research, rebuilds the story of these four people and the Rabinowitz family who lived in Eastern Central Europe and Israel during the war. And what Anne does in this book is the same thing that the writer did in Sarah's Key, that at once you have an element of mystery, even though you know the end, and at the other, you get a reminder of what the Holocaust looked like day to day, boots on the ground, how people were experiencing this, both oppressors, resistors, victims, survivors. And Anne is just an extraordinary storyteller. I mean, you're sure these people are real and probably in some way based on a real story. And so I was reminded again why we need to read books about whether it's 
the Holocaust or slavery or the Armenian genocide or any of these awful events because we need to be reminded what they look like in order for us to think about being diligent about this not happening again to the next group of victims. And it's it's great, it's super writing, great storytelling. The author is the great-granddaughter of Francis Picabia. Oh, Picabia, the painter? How do you say his, her um, name? I think it's Picabia. Is, is Picabia. That- and a French resistance fighter named Gabrielle, who hmm. are actually characters in this book also, which is what makes me think it's based on her own true story. Because the woman, the only woman who survived in the... Uh, immediate family of the Rabinowitzes is a woman by the name of Miriam who had married the child of Francis and Gabrielle. So it just made me wonder to what extent is this her story? It sounds so beautiful. I've seen the book. It's just a gorgeous book. Yeah. So, and it's called The Postcard by Anne Barrest. All right, Bill, you're up. So, Roxanne, the book I wanted to say that I'm looking forward to is a book I've read, and I hope other people will look forward now to reading it and to discovering this author. Today is a very hard-boiled day for me. First, Don Winslow, and now being published in early June is a book called All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby. And he is, like Don Winslow, a crime writer, I guess, on a crime reading spree this year, (laughs) not really on a crime spree myself. Uh, But S.A. Cosby's last book was called Razorblade Tears, and it is a brilliant social portrait of racism in America and also intolerance about homophobia. It's about a father, two fathers, one black, one white, who are uneasy compatriots, really, as they deal with the aftermath of their son's murders. Their sons Mm. were lovers. And in this book, All the Sinners Bleed, all of his books are standalone books. So you can come to S.A. Cosby in any way. His new book, All the Sinners Bleed, is about the first black sheriff in a small town in Mm. Virginia and what happens when there is a beloved teacher who is killed by a young Black man. And of course, nothing is as simple as it seems. And trying to keep the town calm is the sheriff's task. And a lot of things unfold and unravel. But S.A. Cosby is, as I say, a brilliant writer who not only keeps you reading because you're eager to know what the hell is going on with the crime, but also because his portraiture of the town, of the people, of the psychology, of 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 racism, and also of small town life, apart from racism, is just brilliantly done. And so S.A. Cosby, also, if people are interested in him at all, they should follow him on Twitter because he has a great Twitter presence. And it's not usual that I tell people to read Twitter as well as an author's books. <laughs> I've never read, I've never read either of those writers. But speaking of things that don't look like what they appear, I, in a fell swoop the other night, read a book called Recitatif. I think I'm saying that right. It's a story by Toni Morrison, 
And the introduction to this story is by Zadie Smith. So the word recitative is a musical declamation, usually in the narrative and dialogue parts of opera, sung in the rhythm of ordinary speech with many words on the same note. So even having read that, I'm not sure what that means, but that's the name of this book. So I want to tell you what the book is about, and then I want to tell you how I finally picked it up. So Toni Morrison was at one point in an interview with Charlie Rose accused of like talking too much about race. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, we talk about Charlie Rose in one vein now and Toni Morrison in the legendary vein that she always has and, and deserves. So what she does for us to understand the role of bias in race is this short story is about two girls who meet in a homeless shelter. One's black, one's white. You don't know which one's white and you don't know which one's black. But as the story goes on, you decide who's black and white based on their behavior, their names, their backgrounds. And then the one who you thought was black does something that you go, well, maybe she's not black. Maybe she's white. And you never do find out who's black or white in this story. So the story holds your attention on its own for how lives evolved, because you go from when they're eight years old in a homeless shelter to where they are as women in their late 20s or early 30s. But it does sort of like stick your nose in the fact that you have presumptions about how a black girl would behave or how a white girl would behave. So I urge everybody to pick up this book for them to be sort of reminded of how we operate, you know, the term unconscious bias is showing up more than most of us wanted to, but it's a reminder of how we quickly unconsciously form judgments. The other thing that I think is funny about my having read this book the other day is I rip out reviews of books I want to read. And, you know, we all come to books that we read in a variety of different ways, especially as people who get, you know, pre-publication copies or a bookseller. So the review in this book is from January 30th, 2022. And I got the book right away Mm -hmm. and I moved it to various parts of my house. (laughs) And its latest home was sitting on a bureau I have in our bathroom. You know, not not near the toilet or not near the tub, (laughs) but in this own little space, own little, you know, alcove with a bureau. And every day it sat there and every day it's it said to me, read me. And every day for obviously a year, I have ignored this book. And then for that reason that you never really understand, I picked it up and read it in one fell swoop. And it's just a reminder to me of, you know, how books have both their place and time where they have impact on us. Because I I don't know, for whatever reason, this was the perfect book for me to read at this moment. And I, I, I can't urge everyone enough to 
pick this up. I mean, a lot of people listening have probably read most of Toni Morrison. The short story was originally published in 1983 and only became this little book with this brilliant introduction by Zadie Smith in, you know, 22 or late 21. So it's called Recitative. I love that this this story from 40 years ago, because now if you said it was published in 1983 originally, it took almost 40 years to be rediscovered. And so what what little time after that did it take for you to discover? I mean, that's just a small patch on the 40 years. Good point. Uh, since it's rediscovered. So you're in a very, you're reading it in a very timely manner, it seems to me. But I do like that feeling of how fate, if that's not too dramatic a word, draws oh, no, us let's go with books it. that we've been wondering about or we've had for a long time. And also, I think, one of the things about what you said about reviews is that as inundated as you and I and many booksellers and reviewers are by books, there are still ways in which we discover things we didn't see in the onslaught yeah. titles that that are coming to us. And, and so, you know, where is prone to those moments of discovery as any passerby on the street? <laughs> yeah, well, Bill, I'm going to use that quote because I'm like a neat Nick at home except for the fact that books are all over. My husband, Kevin, always wants to know what the difference is between the messes that annoy me, i.e. they're his, as opposed to the piles of books. And the reason that the piles of books are there is they're all always in some sort of conversation with me about wanting to be read, like to be picked up from the the pack. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel... Even though we do not lead the same lives, it seems as if you are telling me the story of my own life and my own marriage. And I'm not going to let my husband listen to this podcast today. So Yeah, exactly. All right. So I want you to know that when you write to us at podcast at RJ Julia, we're listening. We keep iterating this based on your input. So thank you for listening please email us. Please subscribe to Just the Right Book. Uh, Thanks so much to Bill Goldstein. I'm Roxanne Cody. Thanks for listening. You are listening to Just the Right Book with Roxanne Cody, brought to you by Lit Hub Radio. The show is produced by Roxanne Cody, Michael Selleck, and Lit Hub Radio. Our editor is Gino Cardone at Pleasant Podcast. The original theme music is by Kurt Feldman. You can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. I am Roxanne Cody. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any comments, observations, suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at justtherightbook at rjjulia.com.